The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. All right. Our guest is Stephen Ennis, managing partner at SPI Asset Management. Stephen, I, I know it's been fashionable for the Bears, and, and I, I guess they're probably feeling pretty smug. But my question to you is, are they living on borrowed time? The S&P 500 is, is still above the June lows, and this has been four to five months. Is the tide turning? I feel, you know, it certainly feels like it. It's like almost <clears throat> the market saying it itself, boy. Consumers are very resilient, and, and I think it's backed up by their uh, balance sheets. I mean, um, I don't think we expected consumers to still have this much money in the bank, and I think they're using that cash to continue to buy uh, equities on dips. Even the depressed uh, tech sectors, they're still buying meta, they're still buying other stuff when it comes down quite lower, and this, I believe, is still supporting markets. I do believe the bottom's in, but I think we're still going to trouble struggle on the top side. Uh, because I don't think the Fed is going to be anywhere near as dovish as what most analysts mm. anticipate. Well, you point out that uh, what we see in December is is probably one of the, the key points that we need to hear from the Fed, and that's similar to what our reporter Mike McKee said as well. How murky, though, is, is the outlook when you do have these recessionary fears, you have that tight labour market, and as you mentioned, you do still have consumer spending? Yeah, you know, it's this trade-off, Juliet. We're looking at you know, how the Fed will interpret recession and whether there is a recession in the U.S. going to happen because data is quite strong. Um, you know, last night's data, we had the Joel data had ISM, certainly didn't point to any recession happening. Economy is still humming along. Look, I still think the Fed may slow the, the, the pace of the hikes, but they're still hiking. Policy is still highly restrictive. Front-end rates are probably get worse before they get better. And we have to remember the risk of the terminal rate going higher is still very acute. I think this is where uh, stock markets are going to have trouble exploding higher. Well, the the ISM is right on the cusp of contraction expansion. I think we were at 50.2, and, and it seems like you know we're heading in that direction. The, the next big sort of battle will be if you go into recession and you see that companies' earnings are weakening, but but investors will be looking beyond it then because normally, you know, sometime during the recession, the market starts to rebound. It might be hard to do, but that's the way it works. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I think that's what we're seeing from other central bankers right now. RBA is at the vanguard of, uh, of of looking at forward indicators as opposed to the backdated inflation CPI data. Likewise, with the Bank of Canada, even the ECB hinted this hinted at that. And I think this is what the market's reading through is that perhaps the, the Fed may start to look at these forward indicators. However, my feeling is inflation is still too high for them right now, and that's going to be the big problem. I think that's where their mandate sets inflation and yeah. unemployment until those settle down. Things are still going to be rate hiking, in my view. So, I mean, we've been talking here about the, the reopening chatter, and we were talking about uh, John Lee there talking as well in Hong Kong. You say broad and highly encouraging about the reopening chatter, but the thing is that we really need to see some concrete policies come through. How much of a, a reversal would you expect to see in the likes of Hong Kong and Chinese stocks listed in Hong Kong today? 
you know, I think we're obviously we're going to lift if we do get that reopening um, a little bit sooner than the market had expected. I think we were sort of penciling in sometime around spring next year. So coming in a little bit earlier in first quarter would be very good for risk sentiment. Let's not beat around the bush here, but I'm a little bit leery that they're going to go ahead with that. We may see some soft openings. We may see some um, COVID free zones. We may see some travel bubbles, but are they going to have a snap reopening? That I doubt. And I think the market senses that and that's why we're not seeing risk assets globally fly on the news sure there was a knee-jerk bounce higher oil and other other stocks and commodities but we're not really following through that aggressively today so i think people are sort of tempering those expectations a touch till we hear a definitive yay or nay from uh, china policymakers What's interesting is is the move, uh, and it just shows you what's pent up and what's likely to happen once we get these two major overhangs. At some point, the central banks will soften their approach. We've seen it, but we really need to see it from the Fed. And at some point, you'll get some hints from China. The action yesterday tells you there's some big gains ahead. I agree. I mean, first thing, first button I pressed was oil. I mean, I think everybody did that also. You know, we're probably seeing a combination of the EU embargoes kicking in later this or early in December, uh, which would probably eliminate one to three million barrels of oil. And, you know, obviously pent up demand uh, coming through China for oil markets would be spectacular. You could easily see oil above $100, $110 again on that. And I think this, these are anticipatory moves that the market's sort of buying into right now. Look, I, I don't, I, I've always got a soft spot for equities and I've got a very big soft spot for China equities right now, given how far they're depressed. And I totally agree. This uh, reopening narrative is a ticket to ride if it happens or if you have patience (laughs) to buy in now. (laughs) What kind kind of other further, I guess, upside are you expecting to see from Asian equities as we head into the latter part of the year? We always talk about these so-called Santa Claus rallies. But if you look at what we've seen in Asian equities over the past three months, I mean, it's been quite dire, particularly when you look at that 8% rally in the S&P 500 in October. Yeah, I think it's all, I think we can draw a straight line uh, to weakening equities to China uh, zero COVID policy. And I think this is the big problem where the economic tumult continues to build and build and build. And even this week, we saw more dreary uh, economic data coming out of China. So the macro is bad. Uh, They're not really turning on the monetary taps. So it really has to be the reopening narrative. It has to be driven um, a consumer rallying. You know, it's going to happen, but I think we have to be patient for it. Whether that happens, we have a Santa Claus rally. To me, it'll very much depend on what the Fed does. If the Fed continues to indicate they're going to remain tight through the rest of the year, I don't think we're going to have any semblance of Santa Santa rally on any market globally. The interesting thing about whenever the Fed does uh, soften its position is that you'll probably have the dollar turned down a lot. That means the Asian currencies will turn up. So you get an accelerator on the engine on an Asian asset uh, if it's priced in the local currency, if you've bought it from abroad. What's your number one call with that kind of thinking in mind? I, that's what I think. Uh, well, that's my basic of my trading strategies uh, for when, I, when I'm buying Asian stocks. It's all driven through currency appreciation because you're effectively getting, as you correctly pointed out, Brian, that double bounce currency appreciation plus uh, you know dividend return or whatever yield return you're looking from your stocks. So that's the key factor here. And I think this is what's really dissuaded me from jumping on board here is because we still see um, 
the economies, especially exporting economies, doing quite weak. So we're not enamored to go into those economies yet. And we're also seeing the problems in China. So I'm still not prepared to buy the yuan right now. My first call mm -hmm. would be to buy the yuan, then buy stocks. So I'm waiting for that to happen. And then I'll probably jump more into, into stocks. All right, Stephen, always a pleasure. Stephen Innes is Managing Partner at SBI Asset Management on the line from Bangkok for us here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.